0: are listening to Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Thanks to Raya Eyewear for sponsoring this episode of Holding Court. I've been wearing Raya since last year. During the pandemic, I started teaching more lessons than ever before, especially outside. Raya are by far the best sunglasses for tennis I've ever used. Check them out at RayaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A Eyewear.com. .com and use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. They are total game-changing. changers. right, I hope everyone's having a great Memorial Day weekend, honoring the vets, of course, that serve for us and so many others, their families as well. Weather here in the Northeast has not been great, so uh, all my tennis lessons that I had planned all canceled so far. Hopefully, To get in a few on Monday, but I really wanted to take uh, some time to address this Naomi Osaka issue that has come about in the last week. Of course, French Open just underway today. Osaka, in fact, won her opening match. But as you can imagine, I've been inundated the last couple days with requests uh, to do TV shows, radio shows, and so on. And uh, I really feel strongly about this topic and that it's very multifaceted. There are a lot of layers to this issue. Uh, So I'd like to start really at the beginning because I want to give it the proper respect that it deserves. I want to give Osaka the respect, the tournaments as well, uh, and all the issues that it brings up. And I'm going to start off now by reading to you what Naomi Osaka put out on her Instagram four days ago uh, that got this whole controversy going. Hey, everyone, she says, hope you're all doing well. I'm writing this to say that I'm not going to do any press during Roland Garros. I've, also, I've often felt that people have no regard for athletes' mental health, and this rings very true whenever I see a press conference or partake in one. We're often sat there and asked questions that we've been asked multiple times before or asked questions that bring doubt into our minds, and I'm just not going to subject, subject myself to people that doubt me. I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room, and I know you have as well. I believe that whole situation is kicking a person while they're down, and I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Me not doing press is nothing personal to the tournament, and a couple of journalists have interviewed me since I was young, so I have a friendly relationship with most of them. However, if the organizations think that they can just keep saying, and she quotes here, do press or you're going to be fined, end quote, and continue to ignore the mental health of their athletes that are the centerpiece of their cooperation, and I just got to laugh. Anyways, I hope the considerable amount that I get fined for this will go towards a mental health charity. X O X O, peace, love uh, with the heart. That's the end of the statement from Naomi. Again, this was released four days ago. So right away, people got, uh, obviously it got a lot of people's attention. Naomi Osaka is one of the biggest, most popular athletes on the planet. Uh, I guess she's always, she's just become the highest paid female athlete. That's, Not particularly relevant to this conversation, but the point is, is that she has a very, very big platform on which to speak. When she posts, when she Instagrams, or I think she just does Instagram. Whatever she does, that people listen and it gets a tremendous amount of attention. I'm just trying to see exactly how many followers. 2.2 million she has on Instagram. So, point is, is that she's extremely popular. So. Let me start with a couple of thoughts. By the way, I'm going to have on a good friend of mine who's a professional uh, psychiatrist at Columbia University who I play tennis with, Dr. Jeffrey Liebenberg. He's going to join me in a little bit to give his take on it because, ironically, I was playing tennis with him when I heard this news. It came out I saw it on my phone while we were playing four days ago. So he was very intrigued by it because uh, he deals with mental health issues from a medical perspective, and uh, he has a thoughts that he would like to share with you and with me On this issue, but from the standpoint of, you know, the tennis world, obviously tennis players like all athletes when they sign up to become professional athletes they have to abide by certain rules. And one of those rules is speaking to the press, whether you're making yourself available as a pro athlete, the uh, the journalist can come into the locker room. remember Marshawn Lynch who didn't want to speak to the press. He was unhappy. I believe that's one of the clips that Naomi shows as well on her Instagram. She has a couple of videos, one of which is when Serena is a young kid, I think 13 or 14 being interviewed and her dad steps in and ends the, um, the, the interview because, uh, she expresses in the interview how she's confident that she can win and she can be the best, and the journalist you know, continues to ask could a probing questions, well, why do you think that? So the dad stops the interview. Good, good job for him. She was 14 years old, a little bit different than being 23 years old as Osaka is and on the pro tour. Um, so Serena has had to deal with these types of things her entire career. I mean, all, all the tennis players have to deal with idiotic, inane questions at times from the press. Okay. Um, now, whether or not that's related to the mental health issue, that's where I'm, I start to lose a little of the narrative here because I don't feel like the inane questions from the press or the fact that she says in her statement that she, she feels like they're kicking her when they're down. So I, I'm assuming, just based on her comment, that that means um, after a loss that she doesn't want to be asked these questions Now, nobody wants to be asked these questions after a loss. There's a part of me that says, you know, it comes with the territory, whether you're Naomi Osaka or a player that's ranked 78 in the world or 98 in the world, whomever that may be. Now, those players don't get asked to do as as many press conferences as often as the top players do. The top players are uh, the big stars of tennis. You know, Roger Federer does an interview in, you know, four or five languages after pretty much every match he plays in a major. Uh, Rafael Nadal had some interesting comments over the last couple of days, uh, saying, you know, he certainly understands the mental health issue of where Naomi is coming from, and that does need to be addressed uh, at a different level. I think at a higher level. And I, by the way, give Naomi a huge amount of credit for putting this issue out there. And it takes some takes some balls to do that uh, right before a Grand Slam tournament when you are such a huge, huge star in the game. You know, if a player, again, if Patrick McEnroe, when I was playing, uh, said that, nobody would care. So Osaka knows that people do care. They should care. Uh, she took uh, the, the, the baton of being a leader uh, during the Black Lives movement in, in, in the tennis world, in the sports world, uh, last year before the U.S. opened by saying she wasn't going to play in the lead-up tournament that was also happening in New York in protest. And then the tournament followed suit. So Osaka really stepped up uh in in a powerful way she wore the mask with uh, the names of different uh people uh african americans and others that had been uh killed by police over the course of the last few years and when she when she came out onto the court at the u.s open and she did it as she said well i hope to do this seven times well guess what she did she won the tournament so it's it takes a lot to be able to be that confident in yourself and to put it out there so again, this is an issue that is very important. Now let's also, let me go now to what's happened in the meantime. If obviously there's four days, a lot of time has gone by uh, when you have a story like this. So the French Federation, Roland Garros is the official name of the tournament, released a statement today after her opening match when she uh, refused to do the press conference. So she was fined, I believe it was $15,000. And in no uncertain terms, Uh, Roland Garros, in addition to the other three majors, okay, that's the Australian Open, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open, all agreed to sign on to this statement, which is a pretty powerful move for them to do this quickly, essentially saying that they understand why Osaka is bringing this to the table. They want to discuss the mental health issue with her. In fact, they've reached out to her over the course of the last few days. But apparently, according to their statement, she nor her team has responded in any way. So they clearly felt uh, as she was playing her first match that they they had to release some sort of statement. I thought the statement was, was pretty good up until the point where they said she could be disqualified from this tournament or from future tournaments down the road. Now, we in the tennis world know that that could happen. But I didn't think it was the right move for the tournament to put that in black and white in their immediate first statement that they released uh, regarding this situation. I think they could have said pretty much all they said, which is that obviously the, the tour and the tournaments have to look out for the promotion of the game, the good of the game. This is what all players have to do when they sign up. So you can't single out one player and pl- have one player play by different rules in the rest of the field. I don't think that's why Osaka's doing it, by the way. I think she's doing it to bring this, this issue to the forefront. But again, the wording of her st- initial statement makes it a little bit unclear. It makes it sound like, I just don't want to talk to the press when I don't feel like it. Um, if she's got some mental health issues, the tour said, and the Roland Garros tournament said, we, we have resources, we, we're willing to help. Uh, we've reached out to her team. And I think they would do that, by the way, for any player regardless of the level they're at if they have some mental health issues that that's part of what you do you're sort of the employer it's a little bit different than being in a team sport when you actually your check is signed by the team the team then has to play by the nba rules or the nfl rules, wherever it may be tennis is a little bit different you're an independent contractor you can sort of do what you want right but when you get asked when you decide to play in these tournaments When you sign up for the tournament, you abide by the rules of the tournament. One of them being you have to speak to do a press conference, if asked, after each of your matches, win or lose. So there's a lot of layers to this. Uh, I want to dig deeper, and momentarily I'm going to bring on my good friend, Dr. Jeffrey Lieberman, and we'll hear his side from the mental health perspective. This episode is being brought to you by Raya Eyewear. Over the last few years, a growing concern of mine has been the long-term effects of overexposure – to UV rays from my extended time on court in the sun, you know, following that little yellow ball all over the globe. Well, I was also just tired of squinting on sunny days, but my fear was always that wearing sunglasses to protect my eyes would affect the way I hit the ball. Well, last year, especially during the pandemic last summer, I came across Raya, and I'm so, so glad that I did. Raya is changing the way tennis players see the game and protect their most important performance asset, Their vision, all of their eyewear is handcrafted in Italy and built specifically to enhance ball contrast and provide protection from those harmful UV rays. There's no question that they help me see the ball better, they relax my eyes in the sun, and they've become an essential part of my tennis experience. Check them out at riaeyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. Use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. I promise you will love these sunglasses. All right, I'm now very happy to be joined by uh, my good buddy who I've gotten to know very well on the tennis courts as we play uh, tennis together quite often. Uh, He's Dr. Jeffrey Lieberman. He's an MD at the Lawrence C. Cole Professor uh, and Chairman of Psychiatry at Columbia University, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, the Director of the New York State Psychiatric Institute, Psychiatrist psychiatrist-in-chief at uh, New York Presbyterian Hospital, Columbia University Medical Center. So suffice to say, his credentials are very impressive. By the way, his tennis game, very impressive, too. He also played quarterback, by the way, in college, and the college, college football team. So you and I have gotten to know each other well, Doctor. And in fact, when we, it was when we were playing together earlier this week that my phone started blowing up. I know I'm not supposed to be looking at my phone when we're playing together, by the way, but I'm looking and seeing this Osaka store and this statement that she released, which I've already repeated for the listeners of the podcast, Dr. Lieberman, but right away when I mentioned it to you, you, you had a reaction to me that was one of a professional and I, I thought very interesting. So please tell me now that you've had a few days to mull this over, your reaction to this story in this world of tennis.
1: Uh, I, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to uh, Naomi Osaka's opinion or position, and and also I admire her for Billy really being uh, able to speak out publicly about it. Um, you know, we've seen this happen over the past several years on different occasions when different athletes uh, who are publicly known as uh, you know the the pinnacle of the profession as you know strong competitors and as as really uh, invulnerable come out and say that they've been having difficulties and it shocks the public because of the contrast. I mean, Michael Phelps, you know, the five medal, gold medal right. Olympian. Uh, Andrew Luck retires when he's at the peak of his game. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, the the, uh, the guard for the uh, Toronto Raptors, mm-hmm. Kevin Love. Yep. And, and your buddy, Marty Fish.
0: Right, in the you tennis know, world, Mar- right.
1: He retired. So I'm sympathetic. At the same time, I recognize that they're our professional obligations, and these are business decisions. So the question is, how do you reconcile the two?
0: Yeah, and that's, of course, a question I've been getting as I've been doing, uh, Doc, a multitude of interviews. But I really wanted to do... This podcast because I feel like, as you said, it's a very important issue. Uh, it, there's a lot of layers to this issue and a lot of different dynamics. So it's not just, a, you know, this, everybody on social media has a strong opinion. Oh, she should shut up and play. You know, she's making a lot of money because of the fans and the press. See, I don't like any of that. Um, I think, again, I credit her because she's a strong person. Uh, She was willing to take on a a delicate situation with the Black Lives Matter. She stepped to the forefront as a young woman, you know, at the top of her game, as you said. And this is another issue which obviously has become more uh, relevant in in the world with the pandemic and with what everyone's gone through. Um, But your your background is is, is in psychiatry and the medical side of it. So why is this something that you feel is so important for someone like her? to step to the forefront and talk about.
1: Well, look, um, there's a difference between somebody being uh, at risk, either genetically, constitutionally, or by virtue of a prior condition to a mental illness, whether it's anxiety disorder, whether it's depression, whether it's obsessive compulsive disorder, whether it's addiction, uh, and somebody who just doesn't want to do it because it's a pain, it's annoying, and I don't want to be bothered. So. You know, there's the need to distinguish you know, mental illness or mental disorder from simply uh, I don't want to be bothered with this. Um, and uh, it has to be taken seriously because we've seen what the consequences of not taking it seriously mm-hmm. are. And, and these are people who have struggled with like self-medicating to deal with their anxiety or depression uh, with the alcohol or drugs. Um, my good friend and your uh, friend, uh, Cliff Ritchie, and uh-huh. I'm not revealing any confidence, he, he's written a book about this. He struggled throughout this time on the tour with depression that he medicated with alcohol. Junior Sale committed suicide. Uh-huh. Um, so um, it's not the majority, but it's a certain number of people that are really vulnerable to these things. Now, then the question is, if you are vulnerable, you are getting treatment, or you're aware of your vulnerability... Um, is really a press conference going to be something that triggers Mm -hmm. a exacerbation of your symptoms? And, um, I can't say that I know exactly, but I've seen some of these press conferences and it's basically, uh, the journalists. I mean, most journalists are responsible in asking appropriate questions in a respectful way, but there are people, you know, who just take pot shots Mm -hmm. and they try and provoke, they try and provoke the, the athlete. So maybe that's not the best format. Mm. Um, so I'll leave that to you decide. but the last thing I'll say about this is that, I mean, uh, in regard to your, your question was, um, the NCAA for collegiate athletes, the professional, whether it's NBA, NFL, uh, uh, uh ATP, um, they, you know, nobody wants to pay attention to this because mm. they, they, they feel that we don't have, we don't have to deal with the health the mental health of our Athletes, they're getting paid, they're employed. This is employee management negotiation. But they do. They really do have an obligation to be aware and to do whatever they can to mitigate the potential for them to have these conditions. Um, And uh, uh, I think it's only come to light after the fact. And uh, Naomi is somebody who's bringing it to light and forcing uh, the um, the, uh, governing associations of the sport to react to it. And I think that's a good
0: thing. Yeah, it's funny. I was having a conversation with my brother about this uh, yesterday. Of course, he's now covering the, the uh, French Open for NBC. So in this, over the last couple of days, we've been talking a bit. And he said, I think it's a brilliant move by her because she's kind of putting the ball in their court, so to speak, as if to say, okay, what what are you going to do about it? Uh, and here's what one thing, at least, that they started to do about it. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, uh, release press release that the French Federation put out that's the uh, group of course that runs it's called Roland Garros and that's specifically called the French Open anymore it's called Roland Garros but they wrote a very strong statement today and it was signed by the other three Grand Slam tournaments Wimbledon the U.S. Open and the Australian Open essentially saying we agree with you Naomi that this is an issue we're, we're, we thank you for bringing this attention to mental health. Uh, but then they went on to say in pretty strong terms that they reached out to Naomi over the course of the last few days to her and her team. They got no response from her. Uh, they then said she's going to be fined for each uh, press conference that she misses, which, of course, Naomi knew was going to happen. is $15,000. But then what what's really shocked me was they then said they sort of threw out the threat that they could disqualify her from the tournament, from this tournament or from, few, in other words, that the, the transgressions, if they continue, that the punishment, they have the right to make the punishment more than just a fine every day. I thought that was a little too far. I understood pretty much all they said, Doc, in their, in their statement, but I thought that wasn't quite maybe sensitive enough to this situation to like let's let's put a statement out there but let's not threaten you know one any player obviously any player but she's Naomi Osaka so she's one of the biggest players in the sport especially now I thought that was going a little bit too far what do you say to that
1: that's really heavy-handed and uh, uh talk about um you know diplomatic and political appearance the political appearance they really played that one bad that's like when i go to congress and i testify before congress on mental illness and you get some kind of uh, you know no, uh, ind- ignorant uh, co- uh congressman who says oh what's this stuff about you know depression anxiety suicide i mean just suck it up you know right just be, get over it get you know, over it's, it right. it's, it's, it's like saying you know you've got a you've got a a, a broken leg and you should be able to to run you know, uh, suck it up. Um, you know, they handle it wrong. Uh, I think that there should be some kind of accommodation that should be achievable. But it is opening up a big, uh, mm-hmm. you know, can of worms because this is not easy. For example, um, what do you do with disabilities? So, for example, suppose uh, a, a tennis player uh, had a problem with stuttering mm-hmm. or uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Tourette's syndrome, but I Tourette am. syndrome yes, is I, a conditioned... I, actually,
0: I know a few tennis players that actually had it. Where you have like sort of a tick, you sort of uh, a move that is uncontrollable, right? That's
1: right, and and in, in in the more severe forms, you have something called coprolalia, where in addition to having motor ticks, you have verbal ticks, meaning you shout things out involuntarily mm. and mm-hmm. often uh, using obscene words. Right. Um, So what if you had some kind of disability? Do you make accommodation for that? So I think, you know, their response to her by saying, oh, yeah, uh, we're sympathetic to this, but, and then coming down on, we're going to disqualify you if you don't comply, uh, that's heavy-handed, and there should be some way of reaching an accommodation. But uh, on the whole, I think what it does, well, first of all, another thing is that by Naomi doing this, which, as your brother said, I think is... Courageous and smart in one sense, it could backfire in another sense because even if she doesn't do the post-match press conferences, now this is focusing more press attention on her than ever.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to mention, and and you know, part of my. I mean, disagreement's a wrong word, but I think the w- the way she go- went about this could have been she could have handled it a little more delicately. Maybe understanding what the fallout would be. Now, maybe she didn't, but I think she's also putting a lot of the other players in kind of a tough spot, in that they're going to have to answer all these questions when they go into their press conferences. Particularly, the the big name stars uh, are going to get inundated with questions about it, and and I think. You know, they understand, obviously, what Naomi is trying to do, but it's sort of putting them, you know, it's kind of putting your coworkers in a in a tough spot. Uh, at the same time, you know, what the tour is trying to do and the big tournaments are trying to say is, wait a second, we can't let this, be co- you know, get out of control. You know, in other words, we can't let, uh, you know, I don't think... I'd be I'd be shocked if other players said I don't want to do the press conference because you know like you like you said earlier like you just don't feel like it or you're having a bad day, that's different than a real obviously a real mental health issue. What do you say? And this is my last question because I know you've got plans you've got to get to Doc. But what what do you say to the following? Well, if she's if she's really having mental health issues, why is she playing the tournament? Like, is it would do you separate that as a as a as a professional person from? The, you know, in other words, the competing and walking out onto center stage at a Grand Slam with the press conference—like, how do you, how do you correlate those two things? Like, why is one different than the other, or is it?
1: Well, I, I think the mental health conditions are things that she's prone to. Uh, maybe she's experiencing some uh, uh, increase in her symptoms or acute uh, exacerbation. But um, you know, like when you're sick, you try and play through. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you if you have a uh, if you wake up and you you've eaten bad some bad food or you have a cold or something you know, you'll try and play through so she'll try and tough it out and play through I think what she's saying is that um this is something which is a trigger for me mm. it tends to evoke symptoms because it pushes my buttons mm-hmm. um and I could see that but I, I think you know just this and this is really an armchair diagnosing from afar because i only seen her on interviews and read about in the media. Um, I think she's somebody who we've seen who's been refreshing in her candor and in her kind of naivete. Right. Uh, and she says things that you don't usually hear players say in mm-hmm. admitting, oh, I feel so anxious. I don't know what to say. Uh, I've never been this. Uh, you know, uh, people have never paid some attention. She says these things in this refreshing naivete, but um, her naivete was really uh, misguided in the sense that you don't announce to the uh, organizers of the French Open or Roland Garros that you're not going to do a press conference by a tweet. I mean, <laughs> right. that you know, right. you, you have, you have your, your agent or somebody reach out to them and express in a responsible way what your con- concern is and what your request is. Um, doing it that way, she invited trouble, and mm. uh, unfortunately she got it.
0: Well, by the way, Dr. Jeffrey Lieberman, who's joining me now, has won a multitude of awards. One of them, though, is a research award from the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So I appreciate you coming on with me at such short notice, Doc. And just please tell the listeners here, because I've, I've done a little background myself, but I'm, I'm, I'm not the professional that you are. Where should people go if they have a mental health issue? Do you have a website? Do you have a place where they could go to get some help if they need it?
1: Well... Um, you know, there are many sources of information. The NIH, NIMH has a website which talks about all the different signs of mental illness. The National Alliance of the Mentally Ill is the leading kind of advocacy organization. Uh, and the websites of the medical schools mm-hmm. in your uh, area are good places to go for information also and, and the sources of referral. But, um, My advice to people, and particularly in the time of COVID, when people have been experiencing such stress from the multitude of things, is that if you think something's off, either with you or with a loved one, uh, uh, don't tiptoe around it. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to seek help. It's better to err on the side of caution.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Dr. Lieberman, for joining me. I look forward to our next uh, time on the courts. I need you to keep hitting through that forehand, okay? Stay down and crush that ball. No more of those, lo- sounds- those lobs. You know, that's not going to push me back enough.
1: Okay, sounds good, Patrick. Thank right. you. Thank
0: you, Dr. Lieberman. Have a good rest of the take weekend. Take care. Yep, take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe he is powered by Mudhouse Media.